Oh, hey, football fans. Welcome back to another Fans First Football Show. I'm Jeff Hartman, and my co-pilot on this uh, awesome journey every single Monday morning is Rob Statsquare. Rob, what's up? Hey, Jeff. How are you? I've been there, but uh, that's not the that has nothing to do with Christmas coming up. I'm excited about that, and I'm sure your family's excited too, but my football team sucks. <laughs> and so just like last week when I was super excited for this show because I don't have to talk about the team because they didn't play on Sunday – that's fantastic. So your team wins again. Congratulations on their victory Monday for you. You got to be feeling pretty happy, right? Well, it sure is. Bleep ain't sad. I'll tell you <laughs> that. It's better than the alternative. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. So you know what we do on this show in case it's your first time listening to fans First football show talks about all the games that happened on Sunday's slate. And I do want to have a quick programming note. And that is that next week, in case anyone doesn't have a calendar in front of them, is Christmas Day. Well, Rob has little kids. I have little kids. We will not be recording on Christmas Day. We will get you this show either Tuesday or Wednesday. It'll still be all about the week that was. You're going to get the fans first football show. It just won't be on your regularly scheduled day and time. And especially for Rob, because he's got to stay up late on Christmas Day because this don't you they play on the Ravens, right? They play the late game on Christmas oh. Day against the, the Ravens. So it's a huge game, primetime spot. There's going to be no sleep on Christmas night. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's Christmas night. Last year, I had to cover the Steelers and Raiders on Christmas Eve in primetime. <laughs> you have little kids. You know Christmas Eve is like the biggest day of the year. And there's also, as a parent, that's the biggest day of the year. <laughs> having to tell my wife, sorry, honey, I got to watch football for four hours. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. And there's always a little twinge with my wife because she knows you'd be watching this even if you didn't have this job. So there's always a little bit of frustration yeah. there. But uh, no, all the extra support is appreciated. Making yeah. our wives football widows. <laughs> you throw your hands up. It gets the job. I'm sorry. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. All right, let's talk about this slate of games. Let's start off with the biggest game. I think that was really pumped up as to be this marquee matchup. And I got to be honest, it was kind of deflating because it did live up to the hype. We've had some great games in the past few weeks. Um, this one did not. The Buffalo Bills in Buffalo beat the Dallas Cowboys 31 to 10 in a game where Josh Allen doesn't even throw for 100 yards. I loved his quote after the game. They said, what was it like, you know, not even getting 100 yards and yet you still win? He said, I felt like that kid in middle school who was in the group project did nothing and still gets an A. <laughs> He's right. Like, if I told you that Josh Allen would, would have one uh, two touchdowns in the game, uh, less than 200 total yards in the entire game, and the Bills would win by 21 points? You'd never believe me. No. But they just physically dominated the Dallas Cowboys in a way, honestly, that I haven't seen since they played the 49ers back in week five. I mean, James Cook, 25 carries, 179 yards, ran for 7.2 yards per carry. Ty Johnson ran for six yards per carry on nine carries. They just shoved the Cowboys around. So what is the narrative on the Cowboys? Like we've talked about this a lot on this show and other shows on the NFL feed. That is the Cowboys are great against crappy teams. They're really good at home. Take them away from Jerry world. And they are a different team. That's a narrative. I'll tell you another narrative. The Buffalo bills who have not secured a playoff spot or anything like that. They are the team that the rest of the AFC has to be saying, Please, God, do we can we not get them in? Because they are a dangerous-looking team. I think the Buffalo Bills right now, they're looking like a, a legitimate contender. They have turned it around. Which narrative comes larger for you here, Rob? Is it the Cowboys or the Bills' resurgence? Well, the Cowboys thing is real. 
They're yes. seven and zero at home, but they are three and four on the road, and they've been outscored one hundred fifty six to one hundred fifty two on the road. So it's they're if they don't get home field advantage in the playoffs, I mean, you got to look at them like they're not going to be this team that's you know going to make this run. But on the flip side for the Bills, I think the narrative going into this game was, well, Josh Allen has to be Superman, right? He's got to do it all. And they just played against one of the top teams in the NFC. Josh Allen was Clark Kent in the game, and the Bills smashed the Cowboys. So you're right. That has to be scary to everybody else in the AFC. And you look at the Bills. So we talked about this. You know, they beat the Jets 32-6, to and I was like, well, it's the Jets. And we said, are the Bills back? Well, they've got a tough schedule coming up. So what did they do? They they lost to the Eagles in overtime. We're like, ah, man, but then look at the rest of these games. Like it's going to be real tough for them to make it. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Cowboys. Then they have the Chargers, Patriots, and then a huge game against the Dolphins coming up in Week 18. I don't think the Bills are going away. I have them as as marking that they. I think they get a playoff spot. Rob, do you agree in the AFC? It sure looks like that right now, unless they just turn back into a pumpkin. But I, I don't see it, especially now if they're going to be able to run the ball like this and it's going to be easier for Josh Allen. I mean, they possessed the football in this game. I think they had four or five drives that were longer than five minutes. Like they just completely possessed the ball. That defense is going to be fresher because your offense is going to keep them off the field more. It's it's complimentary football in Buffalo. And if that's the case, they're going to get in. And then once they get in, nobody is going to want to play them, particularly if you have to travel to Buffalo. What was interesting to me, though, about Dallas, to go back to that side of the docket real quick, is that everyone was talking about Dak Prescott's MVP candidacy. You know, we talked about Brock Purdy last week. This has been a topic of discussion amongst the NFL landscape. It doesn't, doesn't matter where you're listening. Dak Prescott, 21 of 34 for 134 yards. He doesn't throw a touchdown, has one interception, sacked three times for a rating of 57.7. This was a big game for Dallas. This was the game that you could put pressure on the rest of the NFC. And and to me, that I don't know, Rob. I know you're a Purdy guy because you're a 49ers guy, but that's not an MVP performance from your quarterback. It's incredibly damaging. He had the opportunity with the game against Buffalo and the game against Miami next week, both on the road. If he had good performances, he basically would have locked up the MVP. Right. People Agreed. want to give it to him because he's the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. He wasn't just bad in this game. Here are the Cowboys drives. Punt, punt, field goal, punt. That was their drives in the first half. Other than the field goal drive, they had one drive longer than five plays in the first half and they punted and they gained 19 yards on the entire drive, by the way. Then the second half, six plays, 11 yards, punt. Three plays, minus eight yards, punt. Seven plays, 23 yards, interception. And then finally, they got a meaningless touchdown when it was 31-3 to on a 15-play drive that went 80 yards. They did nothing offensively. And I would love to see in the recent MVP winners, a person that's won the award that's had this kind of performance this late in the season in a big game, I bet you you can't find one. No. And like I said, it was a damaging loss for the Cowboys in terms of the race for the NFC number one seed. We'll get to the 49ers here in a second, but it's looking like it's a tough road for them now, and they're looking at going to have to play wildcard weekend. They're going to have to go on the road at some point, most likely. It's going to be difficult for Dallas unless they can flip that narrative that we talked about. Let's talk about the AFC playoff picture, though. Continue that into Sunday night football. The Baltimore Ravens go down to Jacksonville. Now, shockingly, Jacksonville is not a great home team. <laughs> they play better on the road than they typically do down in Duval County. 
And Lamar Jackson and the Ravens just keep chugging along. Just keep chugging along. They went 23 to 7, advanced their record to 11 and 3. Lamar, he's he's looking great. He's looking phenomenal. I think he's the guy that no one's talking about in the MVP can, you know, consideration because he mm-hmm. has had a great season. He's healthy. He he looks better in this um Munkin offense that they have now in Baltimore and Jacksonville. I'm sorry, Rob. I'm sure you saw the sequence at the end of the first half oh. where what are you doing? And then, I mean, it's just awful. Trevor Lawrence didn't look good. He's now in the concussion protocol. The the Jacksonville AFC South, which looked like it was once locked up, is anything but at this point. Rob, like, what the hell are you thinking about this team? That, that I still can't get that sequence in the first half out of my brain. It was awful. Right. They just, they look like they're not ready for prime time yet. Like, they're just not quite, they got to go back in the oven. For anyone that didn't see it, it's 10 nothing Ravens. The Jags get the ball back with a minute and four seconds left, but it's at their own 41-yard line. So you're like, all right, they're in a position to do something. They're driving down the field, and they get a big pass play for 36 yards, and it sets them up on the Baltimore five-yard line. So there was 30 seconds left. They hit this pass play. They have no timeouts. And they get up, and instead of just spiking the ball and potentially having, I would probably say two shots at the end zone or, or one shot and a, and a field goal, whatever way you want to go. They run a play, the play that they run, no routes reached the end zone. There were no, there were no receivers that Trevor Lawrence could have thrown to where if the ball was caught, it was a touchdown. It all had to be yak yards. So Trevor Lawrence throws like a two yard pass to the flat And the player gets tackled for a one-yard gain, and the half ends, they run out of time. And it's like, that's your chance to get right back into the football game. You're going to give the ball to the Ravens to start the third half anyway, so you really need a score here. And it's right there. Like, this is basic stuff, and it's clock management. Every single week with teams, they screwed it up. And honestly, you felt like, if they can't do this right, how are they going to win this game? Yeah, because because when you think about it, like you said, it's 10 to nothing. So the at the worst, the worst, you're going to halftime 10-3, one score game. Right. It's manageable. That's manageable. And I'm watching the game and I'm seeing Trevor Lawrence starting to tap his helmet. Like, what's he doing? He should be motioning to spike the football, spike the football. And he's no, he's going to call a play. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I just, and how can you call a play where no one's in the end zone when you have no timeouts? How is that? How? Like, you yeah. have to. You have to work harder not to go into the end zone, I feel like, at that point. It was just a, a comedy of errors. And it's like, Doug Peterson's a Super Bowl-winning coach. You shouldn't be making these mistakes. But it's just, for whatever reason, the Jags, just they don't look ready. And you're right now. The division is in play. The only team in the AFC South that's been eliminated is the Titans. Everybody else is in play. And, and maybe Jacksonville misses the playoffs. I mean, when you look at their schedule, they have the Buccaneers who just came off a great win up in Green Bay. We'll talk about that. Then they play the Panthers and finish with the Titans. So, I mean, it's not like a murderer's row to get there. But at the same point, like you, like Trevor Lawrence is in the concussion protocol, which likely means that he's not going to play next week. History says that unless you have an extended break, i.e. the Steelers last week when T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith were able to clear protocol, they had more time. They wouldn't have made it if it was just a regular seven-day week. I don't know. It's it's rough, but Baltimore, let's talk about the Ravens for a second because that was this was a game that everyone's like, well, Jacksonville's good. We know what's coming up next week. We talked about the game against the 49ers. That's going to be huge. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, then you have the Dolphins, and they finish up with the division rival Steelers that Lamar Jackson always struggles against. It's just He just does not have a good – he's only beat him one time in his career. So 
I think the Ravens have the the number one seed locked up. You agree? It sure looks like with the way Lamar Jackson is playing right now, they're going to be tough to beat. He yeah. seems to be back into the form. I mean, he's he's dodging sacks. He's making throws down the field. He's changing his arm angle. Their running game looks good. Now, they did lose Keaton Mitchell in this game, unfortunately, yeah. on an ugly-looking play where it looked like his, his knee kind of locked up on him. Uh, he's probably going to be out for the season. That He added a lot to this offense because his speed just created so much panic, I would say, in defenses when you combine that with Lamar's speed. So that's going to be an adjustment that Baltimore has to make. But they have a good coach in John Harbaugh. They, know, they have an aggressive coach, and they have a quarterback that is capable of winning any kind of game you want to win and putting the team on his back. I think people kind of forgot how good Lamar Jackson is because he's been so banged up recently. When he is healthy and playing, he's as good as Josh Allen. He's as good as Patrick Mahomes. He is right up there with any quarterback you want to name. You look at some of these teams, and I think of two that are both residing in the AFC North, and you just they just scream resiliency. I mean, the thing about like they don't have Mark Andrews. Like he's probably not going to be back in the regular season. Mm -hmm. People forget that JK Dobbins, their starting running back was lost for the year earlier this season. And they just keep chugging along with these, the Gus Edwards and the justice Hills. And you know, like they, they just keep finding ways to win kudos to the Ravens. We'll see, but if there's a team that's going to catch up to them, I think it's the Kansas city chiefs. The chiefs played the new England Patriots on Sunday and they win 27 to 17. They get their record to nine and five. They keep their name in the discussion for that first, uh, that number one seed. It's going to be tough. They are, they have two games behind them, but you look at their schedule. They have the Raiders chiefs and chargers to finish it up. I don't think Patrick Mahomes cried as much in this game as he did last (laughs) week, but (laughs) new England did put up 17 points and Bailey Zappi looks like he is at least, I don't know why he didn't start earlier. I don't know, but nonetheless, uh, also, right since last time we talked, Rob, was all the reports came out that the Patriots are officially going to be moving on from Bill Belichick after the season. What's your take on this game? This was dicey for the Chiefs early. They just they didn't quite look sharp. You know, they come out on their first drive, they miss a field goal. It's like that is it's a 39 yard field goal. It's exactly what you don't want when you're coming off this loss. You're playing against Bill Belichick, who, despite what people say, didn't forget how to coach. And they missed the field goal. Now, luckily, the Patriots are a tire fire, so they responded by missing their own field goal immediately after that. But (laughs) the Chiefs get a touchdown. They use this crazy play from, like, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust era of football where you've got Jarek McKinnon taking a direct snap. Patrick Mahomes is in a three-point stance lined up in the backfield. But they get the touchdown, right? You're like, oh, they got to do crazy stuff to score. They get the touchdown. The Patriots actually tie it up. And then Mahomes throws a pick. The first play on the drive after the Patriots score, Mahomes throws a pick. New England gets the ball at the Chiefs' eight-yard line. You are set up to score a touchdown, and they can't do it. And they end up kicking a field goal. And as I always say, field goals are failures, especially when you're playing against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Chiefs respond. They get the ball back. They score a touchdown to take a 14-10 lead going into halftime, and they never looked back after that. Yeah, this was, like you said, it was closer than most people thought. If you looked at the final score, you'd say, well, the Chiefs ran away with it. No, I mean, it was 14 to 10 at halftime. And this was this was a close game, ugly game. I loved how you referenced the Mr. Field goal. And New England says, hey, we can do that too. Hold my beer and I'm going to miss our. <laughs> like you can't do, especially when you're the, the lesser team, you can't screw those opportunities up. No. There, are, there are chances there to take control of the game. And if you're going to upset a better team and a much better quarterback, you have to take them, and New England didn't. 
Yeah, so now I think a lot of New England Patriot fans are saying, you know, you look at the box score and you see Bailey Zappi, and he he didn't play poorly, finishes 23 of 31 for 180, threw a touchdown and a pick. I mean, a rating of 85.4. And a lot of fans are saying, like, why didn't we have this guy in there more often? You know, I mean, at one point, Bill Belichick was running it like it was a high school team, and they were mixing right. Jones and Bailey Zappi throughout the game. I don't think it would have mattered too much, but the Chiefs, I think they're they're the story here. They find a way to win this game, even though it was ugly. And I still don't think they're going to catch the Ravens, even though they have a pretty soft schedule. You agree? Yeah, I don't think so. Like, we just have to accept that this is not the Chiefs teams of the past. This is right. not the Chiefs teams that clinched the number one seed and the playoffs go through Arrowhead. It's, that's not who they are. Their offense is not that good. It's really not. Like, yes, Patrick Mahomes is amazing. The rest of the offense is not that good. By the way, Kadarius Tony. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> continue to just do dumb things. He had a pass bounce off of his hand. Like you couldn't have placed it there if you're Patrick Mahomes any better. And he drops the pass and it's intercepted. Like, I don't know how you can trust that guy to even fly back with the team on the plane, to be honest with you. But yeah, I mean, they're good enough because of Mahomes, but the rest of that offense is not spectacular. I thought they really missed Isaiah Pacheco in the game. They mm -hmm. could not run the ball. They averaged 2.2 yards per carry. It was just a Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes game. Lean into your strength, right? Andy Reid pulls out this play from God, you know, from the eras gone by that helps them get their first touchdown. And Mahomes does Mahomes things the rest of the way. And the Chiefs find a way to get a win. And they were staggered a little bit coming off that Buffalo game for sure. You know, yeah. maybe they could have gotten knocked down a little bit if New England had had their stuff together, but they didn't. And to the Chiefs' credit, they've recovered. And uh, yeah, who do they have the rest of the way? I can't remember off the top of my head. It's uh, They have the Bengals Raiders, Raiders, Bengals, Chargers. Yeah, they're going to win at least two out of three of those. That, that Bengals game is going to be fun because Jake Browning is seems to be like a fun quarterback here. But yeah, the Chiefs will probably get at least two more wins the rest of the way. That'll give them 11 on the year. And uh They'll play a home playoff game, but they're going to have to go on the road in the playoffs, and that's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. But let's talk about another – mentioned resilience, right? I think when you talk about coach of the year candidates, Kevin Stefanski should be up near the top, in my opinion, because what he's done with those the multitude of quarterbacks that he's had and still they're winning games – now with Joe Flacco, that's right. Out of retirement, Joe Flacco comes back, and he's winning games with the Browns. The ending of this game against the Chicago Bears was, I don't even know how to describe it, a Hail Mary that lands in the lap of a Bears receiver and then is kicked up into the air for an interception. Just You can't script this stuff. It's just stupid. Nonetheless, the Browns win. They're 9-5. and five. They win 20-17 to 17 over the Bears. The Bears were actually clinging to some hope that they could maybe turn things around. And at one point when Joe Flacco gets picked off for, I don't know what third time in this game, I think he yep. threw three picks, but the Browns find a way to win 20 to 17. It was an impressive drive by Flacco at the end. They get the ball back with a minute and 50 to go on the 21 yard line. And they just start moving the ball down the field. They get a big pass to Njoku, who also was able to get out of bounds for 34 yards. They get the clock all the way down to 32 seconds. They kick the field goal, and you're like, all right, Cleveland, doing the damn thing. Way to go. And then Justin Fields, with no timeouts and 32 seconds left, is moving the team down the field. They get a 30-yard gain of their own and out of bounds. And Fields throws up this Hail Mary, and you said it. The ball is bounced around. Darnell Moody is there in the end zone just to 
handle the the ball when it gets tipped. Like that's his main job. And he falls down, or maybe he was shoved down. I don't remember off the top of my head. And guys tend to get a little handsy on those hail yeah. marys. But he's on the ground, and the ball falls to him. It's in his hands on the ground, but his foot kind of kicks it up in the air, and then ultimately it gets intercepted by Cleveland. The Bears very, very easily could have stolen this one, and that would have been a nice little feather in the cap of uh, Justin Fields. But Cleveland has nine wins now. Nine freaking wins. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. I mean, this is the fourth quarterback that they've won games with this year. Obviously, Deshaun Watson. Then you had P.J. Walker come in and win a couple games. DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson finds a way to win a game or two. And then, and he's still playing, by the way. I was watching a lot of this game as Joe Flacco would exit the game and DTR would come in and run some different RPO type plays. He's still a big part of that team. And the Browns find a way to win again. Yeah, nine wins. And they have the Texans next week. You would assume CJ Stroud will be back for that game. That should be exciting. Yeah. Uh, And that's going to be in Houston. Then they have the Jets at home. And then they go on the road to play the Bengals to finish it up. So, Two tough games out of those three. I'm not so sure. I mean, the Browns, I think, are going to have to win two, at least one. They're going to have to win one, and you think the Jets would be that one to get in. I think 10 wins might do it in the AFC. But when the Buffalo team is playing like they are, it's nothing's guaranteed. So I don't know, Rob. What do you think about the uh, Browns' chance of making the playoffs? It's, oh, man. It's going to come down. Like, I think it'll probably come down to the final week. Um, But you know what? If you're a Browns fan, like, they're interesting. Yeah. There have been so many years where your team was bad and boring. The Jets are bad and boring this year. The Browns are interesting with Joe Flacco. Like you're like, damn, I can't believe this is kind of happening. And there are two time, two kinds of years when your team is involved. There's a year like the 49ers this year where everybody knew you were going to be good, super high expectations. You are good. You go out and you perform. And those years are fun because it's always fun to root for a good team. Yeah. There's another kind of year where your team is not really expected to do well. And for whatever reason, whether you got a quarterback performance or whatever the reason, they start winning games. And every week you're kind of sitting there and you're like, are they really going to do this? And then they win. (laughs) And then they win again. That is a special kind of year. And good for Browns fans because you've endured a lot of crap. So what I would say is just enjoy it while it's here because you know better than anybody that these kind of years don't come around all that often. Absolutely. Yeah. Did they make the postseason and go on a little bit of a tear? Good for them. I mean, as a Steeler fan, I hate to say that, but the Browns fans, you said it, they have endured a lot. Oh. They've been through the ringer and then some when it comes to poor organizational decisions, all the quarterbacks that they've had. And one thing I didn't even mention when I talked about Stefanski is the fact that they don't even have, in my opinion, the one of the best running backs in the league and Nick Chubb, who was lost for the year after he tore up his knee in week two against Pittsburgh on Monday night football. So right. Yeah. They've been through a lot already this season, yet they still won nine games. So kudos to them for sure. Let's let's transition to your team. Let's talk about some NFC West San Francisco 49ers. Arizona Cardinals was keeping tabs on this game uh, when I was you know moving around the house and the 49ers. This was bad. Did Brock Purdy leave the game? For a stint, I saw an, an interview with Debo Samuel where he was talking about what they were saying on the sideline. What happened? So he got he took a shot in the game and he got a stinger on his non-throwing shoulder. So he left the game for a couple plays. Sam Darnold went in and did Sam Darnold things. Uh, and then Brock came back in and finished the drive with a touchdown pass to Christian McCaffrey because that's what Brock Purdy do. Four touchdowns on the day. Ho-hum. Six straight wins for the Niners. All six of those wins have been by at least 12 points, by the way. They're the best team. 
They are the best team. They've got a quarterback that should be the MVP. They've got a running back that should be the offensive player of the year. They're, they're just really damn good. They lock up the NFC West for the second straight season. And honestly, I'm just so excited. Get me to the playoffs. I think they're locking up the number one seed. And I think it's it could be a super year in San Francisco. They, they certainly look like it. And I, I point to the quarterback because, uh, you know, the Steelers played the 49ers in week one and they they blew the doors off the Steelers. But I'm seeing a different Brock Purdy now than even I saw in week one, because then week one, you got to think about he's coming off the elbow injury. What's it going to look? I feel like he finally trusts everything about his game. I think he trusts his arm. I think he trusts his body to respond. I think he trusts his receivers. I think they are clicking on all cylinders. And they went through the, they, they had the speed bump where they lost several games and the, the sky is falling for Rob and all the 49ers fans. But if you're hitting your stride at the right time, that's more important. And that's, ex ex that's exactly what I think the 49ers are doing right now. They are dominating. And you're right about Brock Purdy. He said basically that his arm, you know, didn't feel quite right. But then about halfway through the year is when it really kind of got, quote unquote, back to normal. And he's been letting it rip. He's leading the league in touchdown passes right now with 29 touchdowns. Where do you think Brock Purdy falls in pass attempts? Oh, I'm going to say I don't even think he's in the top 10, probably. He's 21st. Hey, I was right. <laughs> pass attempts. So, like, to be doing what he is doing with the efficiency that he's doing, he's second in the NFL in passing yards, only behind Tua. First in touchdown passes, as I said. Four touchdowns against Arizona. People keep trying to come up with reasons not to give him the MVP, and I don't know what they are at this point, especially with the performance that Dak just put up in Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever as a 49ers fan think back to the preseason and stuff when it was, it was Purdy versus Trey Lance and say, my gosh, where, what were we talking about? <laughs> All the time. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, people still in, in the comments of my YouTube videos, the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel, bring up, oh, you wanted Trey Lance to start over Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy has reached a level of performance this year that's beyond what he did last year. He would never play this good last year. He has been... I mean, it's a, it's a ridiculous story. Last pick in the draft, even doing as well as he did last year. Then he's coming off what was described as career-saving surgery. Again, a procedure that's younger than Venmo, okay, that only two other pro quarterbacks have ever even had before. And not only does he come back for the surgery in time for week one, he comes back in time for week one and plays out of his freaking mind. It's a ridiculous story what is happening right now. I think the people out there that are listening to this, I don't care who you root for or the podcast that you listen to. doesn't matter if it's Steelers or 49ers, considering those are our two respective teams. You are allowed to change your opinion like that. That is okay. The more you see, the more the eye test proves worthy. You are allowed to change your opinion. Like that's okay. And the Steelers fans are doing this with Kenny Pickett right now in the wrong direction. Yeah. It was, he's the guy. Well, maybe not so much. I mean, you see more, you learn more in Brock Purdy's case. You've seen plenty and you've learned a lot, right, Rob? When information changes, why shouldn't you change your opinion, right? Yeah. You're never going to change your opinion regardless of what happens and what information you get. It's not really like, what do you do it? You got to be yeah. informed here. There's enough data coming out now. And so he is rolling. And if the Niners get the number one seed, you're two home playoff games away from the Super Bowl. And Yes, please sign me up for that because who in the NFC looks like they can challenge the 49ers right now? It's it's tough. I mean, because let's look at the 49ers slate of games 
the Ravens game on Christmas day is going to be absolutely ginormous. And then you have the commanders and, and Rams to finish out the regular season. The, the 49ers you would think will be able to take care of business in that regard and at least find a way to continue to have that first number one seed. The game Monday night is going to be big with Philadelphia going out to Seattle. Um, go ahead, Rob. The game tonight, Monday night is going to be big. Let's say Seattle, yeah. which we don't even know the quarterback matchup in that game because Jalen Hurts is so sick. He didn't even fly out with the rest of the team to the game. Right. That's how sick he is. And Geno Smith's groin may prevent him from playing in the game. So it could be Marcus Mariota versus Drew Locke. If, yes. Seattle, <laughs> if Seattle wins that game, there's so much less stress on the 49ers against the Ravens next week because even if the Niners would lose and the Cowboys and Eagles would win, the Niners have all the tiebreakers over the Cowboys and Eagles because they smashed both of them earlier this year. So if the Eagles lose against Seattle tonight, then I feel like all the pressure is off the 49ers on Christmas, especially because Baltimore doesn't play in the NFC. So even the the conference record, it doesn't factor into that tiebreaker for San Francisco. Yeah, if you're going to lose a game for San Francisco and and all those things fall into place, you want to lose the non-conference game because it Mm -hmm. doesn't even matter with tiebreakers. All right, very good. Let's uh let's let's finish up the late slate with the Commanders and the Rams. The Rams win 28 to 20 and Sam Howell gets yanked from this game and Jacoby Brissett comes in and actually does pretty decent and the Rams find a way to win and Matthew Stafford is still a good quarterback and Cooper Cup is still a a good receiver. Like that's what we learned from this game. What are your thoughts? The Rams are making the playoffs. I really think they are. Matthew Stafford is so damn good. And the thing about the Rams now they're starting to get the running game going. Kyron Williams, 27 carries for 152 in the game and a touchdown. L.A. ran the ball 37 times for 196 yards in the wow. game. If they, We know Sean McVay can function with a good running game. I remember Sean McVay with Todd Gurley. That was a nightmare offense. That offense took friggin' Jared Goff to the Super Bowl. Um, if the Rams can consistently run the ball with the way Matthew Stafford is playing, they're going to make the playoffs and they are not going to be an easy out either. So let's look at who they have coming up. Saints at home. They go to the New York Giants. And then we talked about finishing up with the 49ers. Like against the 49ers might be really, really big for the Rams. It might not mean anything for San Francisco, but it could be huge for the Rams and a division rival. The Niners might say, well, we don't want you all in there. <laughs> we, we see on a regular basis what you all can do if you get in. So that'll be interesting to think. The, the commanders, though, I do want to touch on this a little bit because they were shut out in the first half, zero points. And Sam Howell looked very ineffective. What's your take on benching a quarterback, but then after the game saying, we're going to go back to him, he's our starter. Like I, I really hate that. I do. I understand if it's like the fourth quarter, waiting minutes, okay, the game's out of hand, you can take him out. You bench the guy, like, I don't know. What's your take on that just overall situation, not just in Washington, but in general? To me, if you're Washington, just leave him in. You're still trying to gather in. Unless you've already decided that Sam Howell can play or can't play, and maybe they have, I don't know. But let him go in and take your lumps. What are you doing if you're the commanders? You're you're four and nine at that point, you know, during that game. Are you really that worried about losing that game to the Rams that you got to bench Sam Howell? You know Jacoby Brissett's not going to be your guy, although he did play well when he came in. I would just let Sam Howell ride it out. I mean, Ron Rivera, you're fired anyway. You're... <laughs> We all know this. It's the news came out. You're going to be gone anyway. I, I don't really understand it from his perspective. He, he just he never really seems like he knows what's going on. Remember last year, he was like, "Wait, he didn't know the the playoff scenarios at the end of the year." <laughs> like, I, it's just not a good look. 
The only good thing you can say this year in Washington is that Sam Howell maybe can at least be a backup for you, and Daniel Snyder is no longer your owner. And that's a massive win. That is a massive win if you're Washington. But, yeah, this year is just they're playing it out here, and and there'll be a whole new regime. Yeah, for the uh, the Sam Howell sack counters out there, I know there's a lot of you. He was sacked one more time for eight yards. So, you know, it's it's Gosh. we were hoping for he's going. I don't know if he's going to break that record. Uh, it's going to be close, but probably not with only three games remaining. Let's see, we'll keep you up to date here on the Fans First Football Show. Okay, let's go to a game that was an absolute snoozer. I mean, the NFC South is a snooze fest in general from all four teams, but the Falcons and Panthers go head to head. And the Carolina Panthers win nine to seven, nine to seven. And in a division where Atlanta's like, okay, we, we can do this. We can win this division. We can host a home playoff game. You only put up a touchdown against the lowly Panthers. I don't even know what else to say about this game, Rob. I, I, I do want to point out that it was pouring in Carolina. It was like torrential rain. Yeah. But still, we've seen the Falcons struggle in perfect conditions. So it's not like this is something new that we've never seen before. And you said it. Like, everything was on the table there for you, for Atlanta. You can make jokes about the NFC South, but they were right in the mix for the division lead. You can't put up this kind of stinker of a performance. With all the offensive talent that you have, you have to do better than this. You just have to. And it's just gross in the game. I don't know what was happening in this game. There, Carolina had a linebacker doing kickoffs. Kamu Grugier Hill was doing kickoffs. I look up. I was hosting at ESPN Radio yesterday with Mike Tannenbaum and Herm Edwards, and we look up and they're doing kickoffs. And I see number fifty-four is kicking the ball, and I'm like, "What the hell's going on?" Meanwhile, Eddie Pinheiro is there kicking field goals for the Panthers. It was a really weird game. I swear it's it sounds like a high school team. It sounds like you have that one linebacker that can really kick the ball far. Like, hey, you're gonna do kickoffs for us, but we have a place kicker because he can't kick it far. I don't know. Like, and the Panthers win, and so now they have two wins on the season. And so now you're wondering, like, okay, now I know they traded their first round pick to Chicago, but you're looking around, you're like, okay, well, there's a bunch of three-win teams here. And are, are are they going to lose this top spot? Arizona has three wins. I believe New England only has three wins. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at this like, oh my gosh, Chicago's got to be saying like, what's going on? We, we thought we were going to get the top pick. It's going to be interesting down the stretch in terms of the, the draft Knicks out there that are looking at who's going to be the top overall selection and who that falls to. But the Falcons miss a golden opportunity, in my opinion. And I'll tell you what, let's just stay in the NFC South. And the, the New Orleans Saints, they find a way to win. Uh, Tommy DeVito, the shine wears off a little bit. The, the, the Saints went 24 to six and advanced to seven and seven on the season. And let me check. Yeah, I believe they are tied with Tampa Bay hey, yep. in the in the uh, NFC South lead. But Tampa Bay has the tiebreaker there in that regard. What was your takeaway on this game? Tommy DeVito is a fun story, but he's Tommy DeVito. Okay, like let's calm down. I, the Jets and Giants are so starved for good quarterback play. That anytime any quarterback has a pulse, they start, they get the train rolling. Could we find our guy? Maybe, I don't know. He could be, he could be the guy. No, he's not the guy. Okay. He's not the guy. Tommy DeVito, 20 completions for 177 yards in the game. And he was sacked seven times. He ain't it. The Giants stink. Enough. I'm tired of hearing about the Giants and I'm tired of hearing about the freaking Jets and Aaron Rodgers might come back. If the Jets had won that game yesterday, if they had won, do you know what their odds of making the playoffs would have been? Less than 5%, I'd imagine. 1%. (laughs) 
one. And that's not an exaggeration. That is the actual math. So spare me with the breathless Aaron Rodgers updates. The Giants stink. The Jets stink. Period. And the Saints are not that good either, but they're good enough to handle a tire fire like the Giants. I hope Aaron Rodgers comes back because I, I want to see him like put your money where your mouth is. Like you've been talking about it. You've been talking about it. You've been medically cleared. I mean, he'd be stupid to come back, but I hope he does like come back. Let's see what, let's see what you can do. You know, I don't know. Let's not talk about that right now. Let's go to the other NFC South team. The Buccaneers go up to Lambeau field and I can't say Baker Mayfield had a perfect, perfect passer rating. Great game. 34, 20 Buccaneers win. The Packers were surging. Everyone's thinking, okay, there, there's some life in the green Bay Packers and their playoff hopes. Well, that took a huge shot in this loss. 34 to 20 Baker Mayfield has a big game. Jordan love wasn't bad in the game, but it didn't matter because Baker was on fire. First opposing player to ever have a perfect quarterback rating at Lambeau field in the history of Lambeau field, which has been around for a little while. Baker had one bad play in the game early on where he was sacked deep in his own territory and fumbled the ball that set up the Packers for a score. Other than that, he was damn near perfect. 22 of 28 for 381 and four touchdowns. You know, I, I said this yesterday on ESPN. I'm still figuring out what the hell Baker is. He comes in with the Browns and sets the rookie record for touchdown passes in a single season without even playing a full schedule of games. And then he just looks lost. He's bouncing around to different teams. He's competing with Kyle Trask in training camp this year. And now, like, he looks pretty good. He looks like maybe, he, you know, could could be the quarterback in Tampa Bay for a little while. Uh, you got to give Baker some credit. In a quarterback-starved league, I mean, there's teams that are like, oh, my gosh. Like, Baker Mayfield signed a one-year contract, I believe, with Tampa Bay. And so he's going to have his suitors this offseason. And when you have games like this against Green Bay, and you're like, hey, you know what? You give this guy some weapons. You give him an offensive line. He can still make the throws. The dude can play. I never liked Baker Mayfield. He was played for Cleveland. The Steelers fans, you can't give props <laughs> to Cleveland. Like you just don't do that. But Baker Mayfield is a player and the guy cares and he's going to give it all his all every single week. And that's better than I would say two thirds of the league can say right now at the quarterback position. So there will be suitors for Baker Mayfield. If, if, if he doesn't stay in Tampa, he's going to have his options and there's going to be a lot of teams that are willing to pony up some money, but good for Baker Mayfield, but Hey, they're in the playoff race right now. They are the number one seed in the NFC South. And I got to think that they're probably, if there's a team that could maybe make some noise in terms of, Oh my gosh, the NFC South is hosting a playoff game. I think that's Tampa Bay. They have the Jaguars next week. Again, probably without Trevor Lawrence, since he's in the concussion protocol, then they have a huge game against the saints and finish up with the Panthers. If you're predicting, do you think the Buccaneers claim the NFC South? I do. I think when I think they got the best quarterback in that division, for sure. And like you said, there's talent around them. So, yeah, I agree. All right. Let's go to, since we were talking about Aaron Rodgers, let's go to the Jets. The Jets get shut out 30 to nothing by the Miami Dolphins. Miami doesn't have Tyreek Hill. Um, honestly, it, it, was, it was a, from the get-go, Jalen Water was running down the field just untouched. It was one of those games where I... I saw some clips of receivers talking with Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines. Like this is a nightmare. And so they're officially eliminated uh, 30 to nothing. Miami wins. They're 10 and four. They remain number two in the AFC playoff picture above the Kansas city chiefs. Rob, what was your takeaway? Got to be a confidence booster for Miami to put up 30 points on a good jets defense, you know, without Tyree kill. I'm sure there are questions there. They looked good. And also the Miami defense just absolutely obliterating. Jet quarterback, six sacks in the game. The Miami's defense looked very, very strong. 
And this is a win they needed to compete for that number one seed in the AFC. So just a confidence building, nice win for Miami. Miami's got such a tough road though, to finish out the season. Cowboys at home. They go to Baltimore in week 17, and then they host the Buffalo Bills in week 18. That is a tough stretch of games. Like I, People want to say, well, don't forget about Miami in terms of the number one overall AFC playoff picture. They'll have their chance when they get the Ravens. And you know, the Ravens have, obviously, the Niners next week if they lose that one, and then if the Miami Dolphins beat them. Yeah, there's a good chance they might get the number one in the AFC. But we've seen it before. We're going to say it again. Narratives stand the test of time with some of these teams. We talked about Dallas at the top of the show. Can Miami beat good teams? I don't know. And maybe can the Bills overtake them in the yeah. AFC East? We'll have to find it. That is a murderer's row to end the season for Miami. That is. And thankfully, Dallas isn't at home. They get them at they get them in South Beach. Mm-hmm. But they got to go to Baltimore. That's not going to be easy. And that's on New Year's Eve. And then, thankfully, they're going to be at home against Buffalo. So, and the Buffalo team that already beat them once this year. So, I, I, don't, I don't know, Rob. What do you think about the AFC East? Now you bring it up. I think that... Miami had their chance to kind of take control of the division and they haven't done it yet. And now if Buffalo could easily sneak, sneak up and steal that. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting one. And let's finish this up with AFC South talk. The Texans Titans game goes to overtime. This time the Texans nail the kick and they win it 19 to 16. Unlike the Jacksonville game where it hit the upright and did not go in. They find a way to win this one without CJ Stroud. They did not go with, uh, oh, who is it? Davis, Davis Mills. Mills. They went with Case Keenum. Case Keenum. And he uh, plays okay. Throws for 229. One touchdown, one pick. What was your takeaway? Credit to D'Amico Ryans. To win this game with no C.J. Stroud, no Tank Dell, your biggest weapons are out, and you find a way to win and keep your name in contention for Coach of the Year. It's a massive, massive confidence builder for the Texans. Yeah. And it's the AFC South. We talked about this a lot when we talked about the Jaguars after their loss to the uh, the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday Night Football. And now Trevor Lawrence not going to be in the lineup likely this upcoming week. It's going to be Texans' opportunity to maybe come up and say, you know, hey, we'll take the AFC South. They have the Browns next week, the Titans. They finish up with the Colts. Wow. So who knows? Who knows? The Colts are looking good. I sadly saw that firsthand Saturday, but nonetheless, that's neither here nor there. So that's the slate of the games on Sunday. Rob, any final takeaways from this week that was? The last three weeks of this season are going to be so much fun. As we keep peeking ahead at the schedules for all these teams, you're like, my God, these last three, it's going to be must-watch television. The NFL, turns out they know what they're doing when they schedule these games. They absolutely do. And the, the drama is going to be there for sure. I always look forward to the who's going to get the primetime game in week 18. I don't know why I've always loved that. They hold that announcement. And they're like, okay, this game's for all the marbles in the division, or this game's going to be who gets into the playoffs. I always look forward to see what the NFL does in that regard. But we are going to have a lot of that coming up. We still have three games to digest, three weeks to digest. And just a reminder for anyone that listened, didn't hear me at the beginning, we will be back n- different time, different day and time next week, maybe Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, but we'll get this podcast out to you no matter what. Rob, why don't you tell everyone where they can find your 49ers coverage as well as, as well as where they can find you on social media. I am on all the socials at stats on fire. If you want to check out our Niners coverage, gold standard 49ers podcast network, you can find us anywhere you get your pods search YouTube for gold standard network. We pop right up. We do daily five minute update shows to get you caught up on all the news. We're live every single day on YouTube. We do shorts from press conferences, any kind of coverage you want on the 49ers we have for you. 
There you go. Make sure you check them out. You want to check out the Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. You can find me at the Steel Curtain Network, wherever you want to consume that YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. You can also find me on social media or on Twitter at J Hartman, H A R T M A N underscore P I T. Rob, as always, it's been fun. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Jeff.